All right, welcome into another episode of Negative War, Positive Vibes. CJ Nikowski and Ryan Spielborg's with you as we get ready here just in a few hours or so, I guess about eight hours at, um, when we're taping this, that the American League Championship Series game number one underway in Houston. Uh, Spilly is there working for SiriusXM and doing the pre and post work uh, for us on uh, MLB Network Radio. I look forward to hearing that with him and Jenny Kavnar and Jim Bowden there on the American League side. Uh, and we'll be covering that entire thing again on Sirius XM, MLB Network Radio, Channel 89. But for us, uh, we get into this. And this is definitely exciting. First time ever uh, that we have seen the Rangers and the Astros playing in the postseason, uh, which is yeah. kind of fascinating, right? Knowing there's a rivalry there. Uh, it was heated up this year earlier on with Marcus Simeon and Framber Valdez and benches clearing. Now the Astros have been the better team. There is no two ways getting around it, even though things are a lot different now in Texas and the Rangers feeling like they're ready to turn the corner. Uh, the reality is for the Rangers as a franchise, it has been a rough goal of it against the Houston Astros. But like anything, Spilly, right? The current roster doesn't care. Just like the Minnesota Twins current roster didn't care that they lost 18 straight in the postseason. That had nothing necessarily to do um, with them. This should be a good one. I weren't sure if this is exactly how it was going to end up, quite honestly, when the postseason started, even with, say, you know, two or three weeks to go in the regular season, if you told me we were going to get this all-Texas matchup uh, in the American League Championship Series. But here we are, Jordan Montgomery, Justin Verlander, game one from Minute Maid Park tonight. I am so pumped up. I, and I've been here, I've covered, let's see, this is my fifth straight American League Championship Series with, and the Astros have gone through it. Oh. So I, I've, I felt like I have a little home in Houston. Uh, I respect the Astros. I, I respect what they've done. The fact that they've done seven straight American League Championship mm. Series. It was also funny because let, let's admit it. I mean, the Astros and Astro fans are trolls. There are some <laughs> of the best trolls in baseball. And here's why. I, I land last night from Denver into Houston. There's a bunch of people uh, flying in from, from Denver to Houston with their, with their Astros gear. They're looking forward to another World Series run. And there's a gift shop that I'm walking by. And right there, smack dab, front row, gift shop, like hundreds of these shirts. Wait, wait, 2000... this was in Denver? No, this was in Houston. Oh, okay, gotcha. Sorry, right so you when sent I us landed that picture. Houston. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, like, okay, so, so it was from Denver I flew in from Denver straight to Houston. I'm walking through the concourse. There's this big old Astros gift shop uh, type thing, and and there's hundreds of shirts. It's a they're selling the 2017 wow. World Series. It's not even last year's World Series yeah. jersey, and we know why. Thirty. We know why is because they're rubbing it in your face, mm -hmm. and it was like, man, what trolls! And it it made me giggle. Uh, it also made me go like, man, like they, they understand, they know it. They, they know uh, how to dig into somebody because people look at that and they're like, they shake their head and they get mad about it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, like for me, I was going by and I saw, that. <laughs> I laughed. It took me about two minutes to find last year's world championship shirts. Cause the, all the 17 shirts were right in the front and they were brand new. <laughs> like they were just made. So you can't can't pretend like it was uh they had them on clearance. They were selling them for like 45 bucks. Um so anyways, I've been looking forward to this matchup to your point about Texas and 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 Houston not having this matchup in the postseason in their history ever. And what makes it so tasty is both teams are pretty well equipped to make a nice little World Series run. You, you could see it. Uh certainly the way that that it, it shook out 
both for the Astros and the Rangers, especially in the start of September, I don't think anybody saw the path on how they were going to get there, mm-hmm. but they got there. And first off, the Astros, man, they go into this like playoff mode where they're just, they're nasty. I don't, I don't like nasty in a good way. I, I don't like, I've been on some teams before that we could flip, flip a switch. And you know what the difference between like regular season intensity and then mm-hmm. postseason intensity. Like the Astros have it, and watching them turn into what when they when they become postseason Astros, it's pretty amazing. And for me, I saw it, I saw it pop out for the Rangers in the last, you know, from from Tampa Bay series to uh, to the next one after. You could see you're like, oh, okay. There's some guys, and and you heard about it. You know, there's championship pedigree. Nathan Navaldi's got a championship. Max. Scherzer has a World Series ring. Corey Seager has a World Series ring. There's multiple guys in there where they know what it what it feels like to turn it up that extra notch. And for both Texas and Houston to match up, last year I did the Yankees and the Astros, and it really was no contest. It was legitimately no contest. The Yankees were so overmatched, it wasn't even funny. I think the I think the Texas Rangers can go toe-to-toe with this Astros team just based on how they're playing. And I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm hoping it goes seven games. I know you just want a clean sweep, <laughs> but I think, th- I think this one is going to be really tight. And I think they're both pretty well equipped to beat each other, which is fun. Yeah. And some big news for the Rangers, as far as the roster goes, and that doesn't happen too often. You get this deep into the postseason, but to have somebody like Max Scherzer activated, John Gray activated, all the focus was on Max Scherzer. John Gray to me presents a little bit, of a wild card. You saw him for years in Colorado. He's been in Texas now for a couple of years pitching for the Rangers. And we've seen him sit at times, 97, 98 miles an hour when his velocity is really good. His slider for about a four month period or so, maybe even longer than that. This season was absolutely dominant. One of the best in the game. It got away from him toward the end. We come to find out that he's dealing with some forearm stuff. Hopefully that's it. The state of the Rangers bullpen, while it has been good so far, this postseason much better than it was during the regular season with the emergence of guys like Jose Clerk and what excuse me Jose Leclerc and what Cody Bradford did uh, for the Rangers. Josh Bores is back. I mean, it's been limited exposure, uh, but the idea that they're going to get some version of reinforcements now, nothing definitive just yet on what we're going to see from Max Scherzer, and he no doubt is the bigger name and the bigger arm. I get really curious though about John Gray in really short stints. If you're asking him just to throw an inning and let it fly, we know he can be a little bit of a thinker. We know he can be a little bit hard on himself at times. Uh, But if the Rangers can just get him freed up to let it fly for an inning, that could be a big deal. I was a little bit surprised to see Jordan Montgomery getting the start in game one only because he's left-handed as good as he has been. The Houston Astros this year, 270 with an 809 OPS against the lefties. Both numbers drop against righties, 254 751 OPS. I will see a lot more at bats. The strikeout rate is a little bit higher. Right, so I kind of tie all those things together. One, I thought of all the unregular rest would go in game one. You can bring them back quicker. They're going to go with the lefty Jordan Montgomery. But the addition now of Scherzer and John Gray into the bullpen. Uh, no Matt Bush, who, by the way, still hasn't thrown a pitch for the Rangers this year, but is at, was active at the last two days of the season, active in the postseason at one point. He Does and he Brock get a full were, share? I mean, they didn't even vote on him, right? You vote in the beginning of September. I don't know how that would work when you go back and you add a guy as late as they did. Um, throw the guy a few bucks, though, at least for being there and willing to go. He did warm up a couple of times. Um, 
But Max Scherzer, no doubt the bigger name, and we'll see what the Rangers decide to do. It feels like it could be, you know, two to four innings somewhere in there. Do you piggyback him? We'll find out and see how things go. But you've seen him enough. I'm wondering, can John Gray maybe be a little bit of a wild card if there's a starter uh, that can't get deep and you're trying to bridge the gap to the to the seventh inning or so? I think he can. Uh, I think he's he's one of those players where maybe it's a game two. He comes in if if for some way, you know, somehow somebody gets knocked out early. Uh, Evaldi's pitching game two, so we already know that. Um, so, you know, is it if he gets knocked down the fourth inning, can you have John Gray for – uh, five and six. Yeah, that you could you could possibly have a turn through the lineup. Um, you know, maybe get six outs. Hopefully, you're if you're pushing him to get eight to nine outs, that'd be fantastic. Um, I I like any scenario where, especially, again, like for me, you're you're going to be using a lot of different relievers anytime. And we've seen this year in year out when it comes to um, these seven game series. Is later on in this later on in the series, you'll get a key matchup where a certain hitter's faced a a certain pitcher for second or third time, you know, last year, the one that stood out was Jose Alvarado, Alvarado against Jordan. Uh, that was the third time that they've seen each other back to back days. And Jordan mm-hmm. hits his ball over the batter's eye in center field, which is just stupid. <laughs> you shouldn't be able to hit a ball that far. So I think some teams, and certainly I, th- I believe Texas is going to think, all right, if we do use John Gray, can we use him in a short sprint that protects us from using these relievers multiple times over the course of a series, right? Like mm-hmm. instead of, instead of facing, uh, you know, possibly seeing a, a Will Smith, a left on left, maybe John Gray picks up this at bat against, against Jordan, against the Kyle Tucker. Uh, and, you know, if, if, especially given how game one shakes out, can you go game two without some of these plus side relievers facing certain hitters? And then now you're 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 kind of showing them off on game three, possibly a maybe a game five. So that's that's the way that I would think about it, especially when it comes to John Gray, is how can he provide that little barrier between keeping the lead, going through a portion of the lineup, and then limiting the amount of the bats that these guys are seeing against other uh, relievers in the pen. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see if he can be a factor or not, because he was an important piece to that. Uh, rotation for most of the season for the Houston Astros on the other side of things they've been there and done that you mentioned it seventh time Um, the history against the Rangers is really good four and nine this year uh, for the Texas Rangers so nine and four in favor of the Houston Astros how about since 2018 the Astros are 40 games above 500 against the Rangers 79 and 39 now again different rosters but not so much for the Astros the core is there for the Astros, not as much for the Texas Rangers, but it didn't really change this year, right? The first series, the Rangers took two out of three in Houston. I remember thinking and saying on the broadcast at the time, new time, new period, Rangers are ready, put everything else behind you. They still ended up going four and nine against the Astros this year. Uh, 40 games uh, over for the Astros, as I mentioned, since 2000, actually 17, I believe it is, eight and 32, eight and 32, Spilly, since 19, not that long ago, at Minute Maid Park. Right. So the Astros have home field advantage because they won the division last day of the season, eight and 32. The Rangers have won eight of their last 40 um, in that ballpark. I, I know we got to be a little careful with some of the history, but it's there. And maybe not as much for the players, right? They feel it to some degree, maybe a little bit, but it's the fan base that feels it. It's the fan base that's kind of fired up about the idea that, man, we're ready, but gosh darn it, it's been a pain uh, down in Houston. 
what do you make of kind of some of the struggles here for the Rangers when we start looking at not just this year at four and nine, but even you know the last few years uh, and their real issues that they have had uh, at Minute Maid Park and against the Astros? Well, I, I'm with you. It's it's hard to look at history dating back to 2019 with the Rangers because that, that I mean you had a you had a team in there that lost over 100 games. So I I rather do it to this season. And and you're right. I mean the the Rangers still you know, the the Astros still have the Rangers number for whatever it's worth. It's also strange to me that the Astros over the course of this year had a record at home below 500. So I I don't mm. understand it. That's I, did, I didn't get yeah. it all year. So can can Texas can the Rangers come in and you know since there is a home field advantage take advantage of them not playing well uh, at home for whatever it's worth. So I I don't know. I I just feel like it's and he, like when you're in a postseason, all past history is gone. It doesn't yeah. matter. Like it really doesn't. Like the, the only thing in the mind of players at this moment is, is we're winning today. Like that's yeah. what both teams think. We're we're gonna beat. We're gonna win today. Like, if you're an Astro, we're gonna we're gonna destroy Jordan Montgomery. Uh, if you're if you're if you're a Ranger, we're just gonna light him up, right? Like that's that's how it's gonna work. We're we're gonna we're gonna light them up. We're gonna light up Justin Verlander. So, like anything that happened in the past really doesn't matter. Mm. I also, as I'm watching these teams in the postseason, it's also crazy to me. We, we've been talking about this now for a couple years. Whether the roof is open or not, all the they're like think about the teams that are currently in the postseason right now that have stadiums where they have closed roofs. It's so weird. Mm. Astros, Rangers, Diamondbacks. You had Toronto in there. You had Tampa in there earlier. Um, these kind of the 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 controlled environment for for pitching has always mattered, and it, I think it still kind of stands out. So the last time the Astros had a game Sunday night. Uh, the roof was open. I'm not sure if the roof is open or closed tonight. It's pretty nice, but it's windy. Uh, my guess is it's going to be closed. Uh, so that means like for, for pitchers, they love pitching in that closed environment for whatever it is. So we'll see. We'll see. It's it's still strange though, right? It's like that one strange variable that kind of pops out are these closed roof teams that continue to be really successful with their pitching. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. And Major League Baseball, as we know, steps in, right? It's up to them as far as what happens with the roof in the postseason. Uh, we saw it in what seemed like pretty decent weather, but the humidity was an issue. And so they had it closed uh, up in Arlington. I'm with you very likely that it is going to be closed uh, once again. But that other point that you bring up about the ballpark uh, and the issues there, whatever it has been for the offense, there has been some uh, real struggles for the Houston Astros at home. And it seems like the offense is the thing that has kind of uh, been part of it. You know, for Justin Verlander this year, he had six starts uh, at home, being uh, of course, home, of course, the time he's with the Astros at Minute Maid, 4.14 ERA for him. He also had a start there with the uh, New York Mets, uh, went seven innings there, but gave up uh, a few runs and took a loss. Uh, but prior to that, you know, in 2022, he went 11 and one at that ballpark, regular and postseason, 11 and one. So the numbers were strong last year, not as strong this year. We know it's been a little bit of an issue for the offense. Should be a great series. First time it's ever happened uh, where these two teams have played each other in the postseason. Of course, there was some drama earlier in the season. Benches had cleared. Marcus Simeon was hit by a pitch. Nathaniel Lowe took one uh, that was up and in. There was a lot of back and forth. There was a hit by a pitch from Andrew uh, Heaney that they didn't like that uh, certainly seemed like it was completely unintentional. But it's there. 
Tomorrow's going to be a lot of fun, too, because of Framber Valdez, and he was the one that was on the mound, and Marcus Simeon got all in his head, and he completely fell apart. And no doubt he'll try to play that game again. And by the way, Marcus, who has been struggling here a little bit lately, uh, there was a good story. Evan Grant had it in Dallas Morning News about Marcus and his wife and having yet another, I believe it's her fourth child, that she induced uh, in between series. It had been on his mind about whether or not she was going to go uh, in into labor. And so uh, he has himself another child. Congratulations to Marcus and his family. They're just like a really wonderful, you know, right off the cover of a magazine type of family and uh, good for him. And maybe that's one less thing that could be on his mind and uh, suspect that he will have himself uh, a really good series, Billy. All right, let's uh, flip to one other piece of news here. That was a big story last week. You and I didn't have a chance to talk about it. Really. We kind of want to think about what's happening going forward. You know, what happened with uh, Orlando Arcia, what happened with apparently uh, the words that got out Bryce Harper, the stairs on the home run, uh, the two home runs, all of it looking out at Arcia because it was reported that uh, he had said something in the clubhouse when Bryce Harper made that big base running blunder uh, to end game two of that series, uh, which he did. And Arcia was quoted as saying that a boy or at a boy Harper, uh, not directly to reporters, but it was heard and reported. And and that in itself is a story. But I'm curious, Billy, about going forward. You know, it was one thing that Travis Darno brought up uh, that I thought was a really good point, and that was. You know, you have your locals that are there all the time. You're in the clubhouse a lot, especially when you're doing sideline reporting for the Colorado Rockies pre and post game, that kind of stuff and getting sound. And those relationships are really important. Then we get to the postseason or even during the regular season where national folks will pop in here and there and sometimes can be a little bit uh, disruptive in a situation like this. That this That's what Travis Darno saw. And he worries a little bit about maybe the relationship going forward and players maybe becoming a little bit more uh, reclusive. Uh, how do you feel, if anything, uh, what happened with Philadelphia, Orlando Arcia, Bryce Harper is going to affect uh, perhaps the clubhouse going forward. I, I think it will, unfortunately. And, and you know, we we like the suspicious barbecue guys and Jake Mintz is the one that reported it. And, and you know, Jake is a former player. He played Division three baseball. He was a sidearm pitcher. Um, he definitely wants to be everybody's friend, right? Like he's he's really he's a he's a good dude. He's happy. Uh, I love Jake and Jordan, but this one kind of towed the line of gray. And and the reason why it toes the line of gray for me is, you know, when, when you're not directly speaking to a player, is that considered on record? And I understood, you know, that there was a lot of articles about, you know, once the clubhouse doors are open, everything is on record. I'm like, dang, man. It's like, I don't, I don't know. as it like, uh, us being players, I didn't feel like if I was to scream out, boy Harper, like, I don't want that. <laughs> I, even if I was like, like you're talking about me post game with my clubhouse in my clubhouse with my teammates and the media doors open, mm-hmm. I'm not in charge of when the doors open. So it doesn't feel like if I'm not specifically addressing uh, a media member, I don't feel like I should be quoted as saying, like Ryan Spielberg said, attaboy, you know, Harper post game uh, in the Rockies clubhouse celebrating. Like, I don't think that's fair. Mm-hmm. If I was to go up to, you know, if they said, hey, Spilly, what do you got on this play? Attaboy, Harper. Yeah, we love it. What a mistake. It, it helped us out. It was great. You got me on record. I addressed the media specifically. And so, like, I would be fine with my name being on that. So that's that's just that, that shade of gray. It's like, for example, uh, Let's say I'm I'm I, I see CJ. I'm like, hey CJ, how's everything? How's it? you and the family? He's like, hey Spilly, I gotta get going. Um, I'm doing all right. I'm tired, man. Uh, you know, we just had our you know we just had our fourth kid. 
my wife, my wife's awesome. Baby, you know, is great. Uh, but I, dude, I haven't slept at all. I'm exhausted. And I got like such a stomach ache because I ate something bad. Mm. Is that on record? Is that on record where I'm yeah. like, hey, so-and-so is exhausted. You know, like, so that's what I'm yeah, talking about. You wouldn't about. say anything. You wouldn't bring that to the broadcast at all. Um, and that's the difference. Right. And that's where players and, and just maybe to some degree, it's on them a little bit that you have to remember that, you know, who your friends and who aren't and the people that are with you every day. That's why I think it's kind of important to uh, quite honestly, with organizations. Somebody had told me this. I can't I think it might have been with the Angels. Yeah, one of actually somebody in our business was uh, used to work out there was telling me how the Angels at the beginning of spring training, Mike Sosha would bring the broadcast people out, the ones that travel. Right. The broadcasters like, listen, here's play by play. Here's our color. Here's our director. Here's the people that are going to be on the airplane. Right, that you're going to see around a lot. These people are not media. These are people that you can trust. These people understand that um, if there's something that is said that could make you not look good or something happens on the plane, you don't have to worry. Uh, they are not going to report that. They are not your local writers. Uh, they're not national columnists. Right, They're not trying to make a story. They work for us, essentially. Uh, so I think that um, you know that changes, obviously, when national comes in, and perhaps players need to be a little bit more aware of that. My concerns, Billy, and I, and I know that I've had this conversation with Tyler Kepton before and Ken Rosenthal, and they hate the idea, and I understand why. Um, but I think eventually we're going to get to a point where the clubhouse is going to be closed. And I think That's it right. probably should be for the postseason. At least for the postseason, just go to the interview rooms. Just make it interview rooms. I get it during the regular season because it's kind of nice to be able to you know, chat guys up a little bit. But the more people I talk to, uh, they're okay with it. Even people like former players, I think it's an easy one for us. But like, just close it because I never liked loiterers. I never liked having to be on guard. Uh, just make a place. Yes, media availability needs to happen uh, 100%. You see what happens in the other leagues. They're, it's basically mandatory, right? There are certain ways that they have it structured in contracts uh, with the CBA and what your media obligations are. The upside to also that, as much as there's a downside there, that hang time, the casual note here and there, like you're going to have to get that stuff on the field. Right when guys are coming in and off for batting practice, that's going to be your best chance. Uh, when it's something really small, when it's something bigger, you make the request, and you know certain players are going to have to meet certain media obligations. But you do it in the in the interview room, and you get it done, and you knock it out, and you have a set time, and that's that, and, and it's just part of your schedule, just like you're stretching and everything else that you're doing is part of your schedule. I think that actually would work out better. I think most players would be on board with that idea if it meant keeping the media out of yep. the clubhouse, but especially during postseason time or even the final two weeks of the season, if your team is in it and there's a lot of folks around, right? That kind of thing, more national people. Like I started seeing it probably the last two or three weeks with the Rangers, more national people start showing up to uh, your series, all of that kind of stuff. I think that's where this thing needs to head. So we just don't have these kind of issues uh, going forward anymore. And anything you hear is going to be said in front of a microphone with cameras on you and anything beyond that should be known as kind of being off the record or clubhouse banter among teammates. That's the thing that I don't like at all. If you're talking to your teammates and somebody long ears you, and that's not the first time that that has happened. If you're goofing around with teammates, even if you're being loud, if you're going to report on, you better go talk to that guy. Then you can't yeah. just report on without saying something. But I think the idea is Billy of getting to uh, the point where we are actually in uh, interview rooms going forward, like full time though, like it, put it in the CBA, be done with it. And then what you don't get is what happened with Ronald Acuna Jr. at the end of the season, right? They end up losing in the postseason, and he doesn't talk to the media. That's which, get is, which is tired too. Yeah. Like I didn't, so I make didn't it mandatory. That. So I'm, I think this solves all of that on both sides of it. Yeah. So I I'm with you. I said that immediately to a bunch of friends of mine after I saw, you know, this whole thing come out, I was like, Ugh. like, I feel bad for Jake. Cause he's in the center of it. We like Jake, 
he would have been better off if he was to say that, you know, a player in the clubhouse was yelling at a boy to, to not specifically call out Arcia. Also, like if he didn't give himself a chance for Arcia to go talk to him the next day, that's kind of brutal, right? Like that's the part with some of this national, they come in, come out, you never see him again. You couldn't tell him. I was like, Hey dude, what, what was that all about? You know, like you can't yeah. even have a conversation. So we, we like, I don't know if that happened or didn't happen, but that, that would be frustrating. We already saw this with COVID rules. Um, COVID shut down the clubhouses uh, from outside media. And the byproduct of it was the zoom and interview times with players specific. And there was some pushback from, from a lot of sports writers saying, Hey, this is not really great for me because, you know, I, I really kind of build a rapport with these guys remember like media is not your friend. They're also not your enemy. They're there to report. So they're like, you're not going to be buddy buddies. Like it was back in the day. You're not drinking beers with players. Like it was back in the day. That's not, (laughs) that's not it. So if your job is to report on the game, it's to, to come up with a, with an audit of the game with, with quotes from players that actually played in it. And if there are any stories Request the player. The player goes out, talks post game. If there's a pregame hit, you want to talk to CJ about, uh, you know, the the excitement of of the postseason and his and his ribs that he's cooking. You make the request. CJ shows up because the players have to. There's has to be a certain amount of players, and then you like all the media gets the same guy. He sits there for five minutes. He takes all the questions. Boom, done. Get out. It also protects all the rest of the players that don't want to be talked to. If they don't have to, they can prepare for the game. If you want to talk to me, request me, and then mm-hmm. let's talk. Um, I think you're going to get back to that, CJ. I really do. I think we're going to get back to the closed clubhouse, which is going to frustrate some media members because they're going to say it's they're not capable of doing their job. Uh, I don't necessarily buy that because I think what we saw during COVID was that there was a lot of fantastic stories and interviews that occurred that actually, made, especially because they're on time. Yeah. Damn it. Like players are never on time. So uh, I think it's going to end up working out in, in everyone's best favor um, to go back to this. Yeah. You have the pregame exclusives, right? That can be a little bit of an issue at times. And that's why it becomes really important for writers. And there's kind of the, they have their own little unwritten rules among each other, right? If you're talking to a player or a writers talking to a player before the game, I can't come up and just, you know, saddle up and listen to what's going on. That's kind of one of those things. I, I remember learning that when I was a player and kind of interested in the media and asking them how things kind of worked a little bit. So uh, that is all part of it. I, I like to see it. I think it'll be better. Uh, you know, I, I, again, I understand the frustration, but it makes all this nonsense go away. And uh, let's just make it a little bit more professional because there is, listen, there is, and this is not on, on Jake or those guys, but just in general, there's a little bit of an amateur feel of some that they're letting into, um, you know, around the ballpark, ballpark a little bit more into the press box on the field. Like, you know, things have changed a little bit. So I think it's time to, to sharpen it up, right. With some of these bloggers and some <laughs> of these guys that are making videos, right. I mean, there's just like some of the stuff I'm like, really, this is the content. This is the stuff these guys have to be exposed to. Uh, it needs to be tightened up a little bit, I think. And now it's a good time to do it. Hey, last thought on the media stuff. Call like a manager coach. Well, yeah, that kind of, I mean, that kind of crap in the, yeah. I mean, it is what it is. Well, this is kind of what I'm leading up to too, is some of the questions. What did you make of Nick Castellanos and Matt Weiner the other day? Uh, post-game interview, Castellanos is on. Matt Weiner starts without actually asking a question. And he got called out on it by Castellanos. Where, listen, I, he threw out a, uh, some really interesting things that happened, right? Back-to-back games where he hit multiple home runs that had never happened before. Uh, but essentially, Castellanos was like, yeah, what's your what's the question? I kind of liked it. I know it was a little bit rude. 
it was a little bit, and I'm not, it's not a shot at Matt Weiner. This is kind of a habit that I think some people have fallen into that they just state the facts of what happened instead of coming up with a really good question to lead somebody. You need to know who you're talking to. And there are some players, sure, you can just say something and off they go, right? There are some guys that need to be pushed, not in a direction and an answer, but like, I'm looking for something specific. So I need you to answer this. Here's the question. I didn't mind it. I know it was nope. a little bit awkward on television, but I kind of like that it was a little bit of a call to kind of like even this whole other story. We got to clean this up a little bit. The media situation, it needs to get a little bit more professional once again. Not that it was unprofessional, but you got to ask a question in a spot like that uh, for a guy who just had a huge day and his team is getting ready to celebrate moving on. I mean, I, I, I've fallen victim to, I think, asking those kind of strange questions without a question. Uh, I know I've done that. It also goes to show you, like, Castellanos and these players are listening to what you're saying. Hmm. They're, they're like, what, what's the question here? Uh, yeah, I did this feat. I, I, uh, to be honest, when I was listening to that interview, I cringed um, because I wanted so badly. Castellanos hit a slider for a homer. And then in that, that at bat, specifically that at bat, I would have loved to have known what was going on in his head. Yeah. It's like he fouled off two fastballs. That's the first home run hit off Spencer Strider at 100 miles an hour. Also, and he did in a two-strike count. Did you sell out on a fastball? Is that what you were looking for? Especially as that, that you know, he threw a slider that that was spiked and it was a non-competitive pitch. Where he just sold out on fastball, that hole at bat, is yeah. that even with two strikes? And I would have loved to have heard that answer. Yep. That, I mean, like, that would have been... You want to get into the weeds of a baseball player, especially hitters at this level. Hey, first pitch slider for in the dirt. Like, did, what did that put in the back of your mind? Well, I knew his slider wasn't very good. I already hit it for a homer. Mm. So were you looking fastball the whole bat? Yeah, man, I was looking for the fastball the whole bat. Even on that one-two pitch, yeah, I knew it was coming. Dang, man, like that's next level hitting. Yeah, I agree. So some more specifics, especially in big moments. But like you said, like when you're being around the Rockies as much as you are, and with me, the Rangers, there are certain guys you know that you don't have to go into the weeds because they're going to get you there anyway because they like talking about it. They're you know they're thoughtful and like sharing you know some of those thoughts. And then like I don't even know if you saw. I can't remember. I guess uh, it was. I guess the uh, ALCS or excuse me, the DS was on Fox. There was an Alex Bregman interview. I think uh, I can't remember who was who was doing it. Uh, whoever had sideline, and it was really awkward like super awkward and the answers were weird. I'm like, what is going on here? Is this really, uh, really worth it? So again, I, we're all in the media. So we're all in, this, in the same place. I just think as a group, there's some different ways that we can sharpen some things up and, and just kind of bring it up a notch as I feel like we're kind of dropping a little bit of a notch here and things got exposed, I thought, so far here uh, in the postseason. All right, American League Championship Series underway tonight. The National League Championship Series starts tomorrow. Uh, make sure you catch Ryan Spielborg. He will be doing the pregame uh, live uh, from wherever the games are. Of course, games one and two down at Minute Maid Park. And then uh, he will be in Arlington, not Dallas. He'll be in Arlington uh, covering the Rangers uh, home games as well. So it is going to be a lot of fun. You can catch that on Sirius XM channel 89. It's MLB Network Radio. You can also catch us here. We'll continue uh, to pump out these podcasts throughout the postseason going to be uh, a lot of fun as always thank you for listening this has been negative war positive vibes have a great day everybody